0: Welcome to the podcast. My name's Ian,
1: and my name's Tony, and this is Tennis Today. How oh. about that? I was going to say there are moments when he switched off, when he switched off, but then he a shot like that.
0: Right, Tony. Um, pretty, uh, pretty strange start to the tournament. Now we're going into the second week here. A um, lot of upsets on the women's side. I think you can really uh, categorize the women's bracket as just being wide open. And on the men's side, it's the complete opposite, totally stacked. And we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Um, but uh, pretty, pretty wild. I mean, it's it's a really unique Australian Open. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the we still, I guess, are probably kind of recovering from that crazy night on the second round. And every night since then has felt somewhat tempered. I mean, obviously, there have been big upsets since then. But, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, or as we spoke before we went on the air, what's the stat? Like the top five seeds have made it through, or is it the top six seeds? Yeah, on the men's through side...
0: Through? Yeah, on the men's side, it's the first time in the Open era that all top six seeds made it to the quarterfinal in Australian Open. So, um, yeah, all of the favorites uh, going into it are still there. And then you've got uh, Hercash at number nine and uh, Fritz at 12. So um, both of them probably, you know, top players in their own right. Steph almost was in jeopardy of falling out of the top 10, which is who uh, Fritz uh, knocked out. So, I mean, really, you're looking at eight top 10 players right now that are that are still there, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and it, when it comes to selling tickets and getting people to watch, like that's that's what you want to see. And then uh, on the women's side, it just shook out like that. It's, uh, you know, kind of surprising, but Sabalenka's still in it. Coco Goff's still in it. Uh, those are going to be your big names. Barbara Kujikova, if you're, you know... If you're into doubles and singles, she's still into both both events. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it's it's a little bit of like, all right, got to do some research and figure out who these players are.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the uh, the only seed remaining in the top half of the bracket is uh, Zhang, who her best result um, was just last year in the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open. So um, she's matching her best, uh, and she's carrying over that momentum from last year into this year. I think pressure is on her now. I mean, it's really hers to lose. She's uh, the betting favorite to be the one making the final from that top half of the bracket. But um, outside of that, you know, in in the top half of the bracket, you have three players who um, have never made it this far. And, um, you know, huge opportunity for them as well to kind of play the spoiler.
1: A qualifier. Yes, yes.
0: And, you know, a a qualifier, but I actually had to go back and check. So she's 23 years old and she was formerly ranked 21 in the world, which was uh, surprising. I I feel like, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe I'd seen her before in a a main draw and just didn't know enough about her earlier in her career. But, um, you know, she fell back. I think she was maybe as low as 93 right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, so she's in her own way, maybe returning to the form that she expects from from herself. And, um, you know, she's been playing impressive. So, yeah. Uh, well, and and, and we're talking about idea. Yastrzemska there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of go through some of the round four, um, recap some of what happened there, but we really just want to focus majority of our time on the quarterfinal matches uh, some really exciting matchups there. You've got some awesome notes about the uh, head-to-head records and all of that. Um, we we're going to make our picks, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll 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 complete the quarterfinals and see who uh, who who made the most accurate picks there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of happy that the the last round or two has normalized a little bit. I think both you and I and everybody watching uh, needed a little bit of a, a break. <laughs> it was like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah and I, I took last night off. I was like, I need it Sunday. I need to take a personal day. Went out, Costco, all of this. I was like, I'm going to sleep at a responsible hour. Luckily, you know, the matches were kind of short. I got to finish the Medvedev match, and I was like, all right, I'm out. Needed a break. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Any, uh, any any? Did you have to get away from In-N-Out as well? Was that also part of the strategy?
1: Man, let me tell you, I had, I had breakfast at like 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> that was my first meal of the day. That was like, oh, wow. I felt... I felt really like weird about that, but I was like, you know what, I just, I want, it's going to be my first meal today. I want breakfast. Are you still serving breakfast? We were at a cafe. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, had that actually had uh Swedish meatballs at Ikea because we went to Ikea later. Never had yeah, that before. Great. Oh, uh,
0: they're so good. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was surprised because I was just, my, my wife was kind of looking around and I was just kind of bored and I was like, let me, I'm going to try this. And, uh, yeah, very good. Yeah.
0: I love them, I yeah that's 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 funny. that was the first time that you had it. that's uh, never had it, yeah, wow, I
1: mean, I'm not in Ikea that much, to be honest, I'm only in there if you know if I get kind of pulled into it um, yeah. uh but yeah, I was uh you know, I wouldn't mind going back <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind going back at all.
0: when my girlfriend and I lived in Philly, we had an Ikea really close by us, and um sometimes we wouldn't go to buy anything. we'd be like, let's go get Ikea cafeteria swedish meatballs and then we'd walk around and you know look at stuff but like know, not, never with the intent to buy other than <laughs> <laughs> getting lunch
1: nice yeah yeah that uh dude that's so funny that like the beginning of these pods is like what's tony eating like yeah like, yeah like,
0: yeah
1: <laughs> well pretty the, good yeah, surprised me
0: we'll we'll pick up like a like a ritz cracker sponsorship or something for this, <laughs> this Get an IKEA sponsorship uh, <laughs> just to
1: put it out there i you know i put it on my story tag hold aruna Let's talk bags with the Ikea bag. He liked the post saw it. Mm. No response. So mm. listeners, I'm still working on that. We're going to try to get Holger up.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Let's, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, so yeah, let's go through some of the round four matches. Um, so round four has happened over the last couple of days. I don't want to spend um, too much time over this. We want to give you guys a little bit uh, shorter of a podcast. We've been running a little long with the in-depth analysis and all of the results. Um, Pretty straightforward on a lot of these matches. The first one that we have here uh, was one of the more um, highly anticipated matches, which was Rublev versus Demonar, um, mm-hmm. which ended up going five sets. Um, I know, uh, was this one that you were able to catch some of?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was uh, tuned in. It was it was electric. I mean, once uh, Demon got that set in and there was just, it, it was really interesting because there was moments of just, bedlam in the arena and then when rublev would was starting to pull away it was just completely silent and like rublev was just roaring and super like super positive with his with his body language and uh yeah just the contrast between like the 30 minute period where like the crowd was totally in it and then when they got sucked out of it completely once rublev pulled away good good match uh yeah brutal rallies not not a ton of like getting to the net and drop shots and cat and mouse just straight up baseline to baseline just you know offense versus defense
0: yeah ripping it I well I was having to watch some of it and I was kept on pulling my girlfriend into the room to watch some of the rallies because yeah it was just really really physical you know just both of them kind of going all out hitting the ball back and forth a lot of ground strokes uh great rallies um, brutal is a great word for it. Cause it's just like, it's one of those matches that you're watching and you can just feel the the physicality and how taxing some of those rallies were. Yep. Um, and yeah, Rublev pulls through in five sets. Um, it, it was, it was a great match and, and happy for Rublev. Awesome celebration there with the, you know, <laughs> open his mouth and wagging his tongue around, you know, just, just, just like the visceral reaction of just Having to fight through that match with so much grit, um, yeah, it was it was great to see and um, kind of funny uh, interview on the court afterwards where they were asking <laughs> you know uh, what goes on in his head and some of these you know, these these fights and battles that he gets into and he's like oh you don't want to you don't want to get in my head it's like a scary movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah he's uh he's great in those interviews and in off court the stu- off court stuff on court he can be super negative super down on himself hitting yeah. himself making himself bleed punching the strings uh yeah. hasn't haven't seen much of that this tournament has been pretty positive um something to note a rarity he was cramping in the fifth set even though he was he built a huge lead it kind of felt like maybe if demon can win a game or two we don't know you know how much rublev has left and he's usually like a pretty underrated workhorse he never has any injuries plays week in week out um so that was kind of rare to see that you know kind of speaks to the brutality of uh of that entire match
0: yeah yeah and he uh he makes his 10th Grand Slam quarterfinal I believe. Uh one of Man. one of the most consistent to do it. Yep. He hasn't um he hasn't gotten past that plateau unfortunately. Uh but uh, you know, good for him. I mean, he's still he he's, he's right there. He's he's always a contender and definitely one of the most consistent guys on the tour. So
1: yeah.
0: Uh, another match that we had was um Fritz and Tsitsipas that ended up going four sets. Uh really impressed with Fritz in this match. Uh yeah. Steph uh, was, you know, we, we, we mentioned him and we talked about this match and some of the excitement about it. Um, Steph looks just a little unsure of himself there. You know there's some tweaking happening in his game. There was some talk about a potential um, back problem that was causing him to, to tinker with his serve a little bit. But, I mean, I didn't catch the first part of the match, and I turned it on, and I think you might have already been watching, and we hadn't even talked yet. And the first thing that I saw was Steph, doing a pinpoint serve, but his feet not looking fully planted, just like a lot of motion there and a lot of, you know, uncertainty whether or not to follow through with that serve motion. And it was really bizarre to see. I don't know if that, it was something that you picked up on as well.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't even, I feel like it was almost like in the third set when he started doing that, they were mm-hmm. kind of like, cause I think was... that,
0: that makes sense. That might've been where I, I kind of hopped into it.
1: Yeah, because he was kind of just doing his thing. I think they split the first two sets. Um, Sitsipas very animated, a lot of, you know, Greek support down in Australia. And and I kind of thought this might be, you know, Fritz might be in in trouble. And uh, I agree, super, you know, he did very well, you know, kind of controlling the crowd, controlling his emotions he's he's his mentality is pretty underrated for how for his match toughness i think um as chill and as subdued as he is he he hangs in those matches and uh yeah yeah like you like you pointed out just the going to the step-up serve it didn't look like he was fully committed to it um yeah weird it's uh i i don't know what that's about why he would be doing that in the middle of a tournament. Um not during the off season or something like that. But uh, I mean, there's always funny stuff going on with Steph and like, you know, his dad and whoever else is in his coaching box. So don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy for Fritz. Um, He's going to get another chance here at, uh, at Novak Djokovic who um, he hasn't had success with, but he did play some of his best tennis against here at Australian open. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm happy for him. Um, Fritz just kind of found another level that, you know, we, we know, uh, he's capable of and doesn't always uh, find it in some of these tight matches. And, and he did, he just really, I think hit Steph off the court in the fourth yeah. set. And, uh, you know, another note that I had from that match, I was so uh, annoyed with Steph at the end there. He was clearly beat. He made an ill decision to come into the net on the match point and he starts doing the, waving his arm thing to like distract or whatever. Like he knew (laughs) the point was over and there wasn't much that he could do. And he was kind of caught in a bad spot, but I'm like, I'm like, come on, you know, like, do you really like, that's embarrassing that you're going to (laughs) wave your arms. It's just, you know, leave the court with the tail between your legs after that one, because it was kind of embarrassing. I hated that. So
1: bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not great. Bad luck. And I, I feel like there was a point a few games before that, where I was like, did he just throw up his cause it, it was something similar. It wasn't as egregious, but I feel like he did that twice towards the end yeah. of the set. Like, um I don't know. I mean I'll do that messing around with like a buddy of mine, like yeah. uh but like not <laughs> not in a serious <laughs> match. That's that's not good.
0: Yeah, it was weird. Um let's stick in that chunk of the bracket there on the mm-hmm. men's side. Um Yannick wins in straight sense against off extremely slow start to that match. I would say it was kind of boring to me. It was an hour and 45 minutes just to get to five, five. And I think that's when the match had a, had a little bit of a peak where it was, it it got pretty entertaining there. Um, It was uh, five, five in the second set Uh, center had already won the first set. Tensions kind of rose there. There was a 29 shot rally that Karen uh, Hatchinov ended up winning on his service game. Mm-hmm. And um, it, and I think that ended up being the longest rally of the match, but Yannick ends up winning that game anyways, and closing out that second set seven five. And at that point, it kind of felt like a foregone conclusion Sinner is just too locked in right now. Hatchinov's yeah. a good player has an extremely strong forehand. They were spent a lot of time hitting backhand to backhand on that one. And um, Sinner was just, painting the lines and it just after that second set was over i'm like all right sinner's got this one
1: yeah yeah playing against sinner it it's got to feel like wh- where can i go like if you're playing against someone else like all right well maybe i'll go to the backhand or do whatever it's like i can't go anywhere he's just nailing the ball from both wings and it's it's relentless um so yeah i agree i i watched a little bit at the beginning but i was like eh, i'm gonna flip over and watch uh stefan fritz
0: yeah yeah Next and that should be exciting yeah and well you've got Uh, Sinner now gets through um, in straight sets in every single round so far. He's the only uh, uh, player on the men's side to do that. Um, So he's uh, meeting the expectations that everybody had for him, at least making it this far and and, uh, doing it rather dominantly. And he's not playing, uh, you know, pushovers. He's playing great players and he's just looking, obviously, kind of a leg above the rest right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like because of how he finished the year, I guess, that like, The majority of last year was like, okay, when you think of like tiering players, it's like Novak, Carlos, most of the year. And then kind of like the next tier you can put in, you know, Sitsipas, Rublev, Sinner. And it feels like, you know sinners starting to push himself into maybe not the exact next year with novak maybe we'll see but he's like separating himself from the rest of the pack and uh i mean i guess we'll see in the quarterfinals and the semifinals this will be the true true measure but um yeah it kind of feels like he's starting to separate himself from everyone and he's taking care of business so we'll see
0: yeah it's great um do you want to talk about uh, Novak and Manorino, your, oh, man. your, your love, love affair with Manorino? Have <laughs> yeah, you spent enough it time was... talking about him? Or <laughs> God,
1: yeah. Um, what can I say? Uh, most memeable <laughs> moment of the tournament, maybe. He goes down, he gets double bageled, puts, uh, you know, double bagels over his eyes. Um, tactically, it, there was nothing. Novak was just too good. There was no, like, same same thing I said about, there was nowhere to go. Um, he would just overwhelm Manorino. Um, what was interesting to me was just, I mean, it was pretty clear from the beginning once, you know, Novak got up a double break in the first set of like, okay, this match is pretty much over. Uh, how locked in he was just internally kind of like barking to his camp, get me some electrolytes or whatever he was asking for, missing, you know, making it on forced air and just yelling at himself. And he was like out for blood and that that kind of displays like, the mentality that it takes to get to 24 slams, basically. Um, so he's, that was kind of a scary thing for, I think, maybe everyone else to see, or maybe it's just expected. But yeah, absolutely relentless, 6 He said that he's like, oh, I, I kind of let up a little bit, you know, to relieve the pressure. But I don't know, when he, when he lost the game, he was yelling at the umpire about the people coming in and the delay, and anyways, um, yeah, Novak's locked in.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is. Gets through in straight sets. Uh Manorino seemed to be taking it all in strides. Uh not a surprise as far as the outcome goes there. Um yeah, and on Novak's relationship with his camp and his team, I feel like, you know, when players at the end of tournaments are always um thanking their box and oh, you know, thank you for putting up with me and all those like with Novak, you see it. You see what he's talking about when he says, thanks for putting up with me because, yeah, he's one of those. He's very, very vocal at his camp. I think, you know, he needs to relieve some of that frustration on the court. And even when he's up 6-0, 6-0, he's got something to be yelling about. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfectionist, even, you know? Yeah,
1: even uh, I got to watch a practice session at the U.S. Open. He was uh, played a practice set against Vera. And, you know, he had whole team on the court with him, and he was, like, going at them they were discussing yeah. something i don't know what it was but it, it wasn't it's not it's not just the match situations it's it's probably day in day out um yeah <laughs> yeah so uh not an exciting match probably if shelton would have got through it would have been maybe a little bit more entertaining tennis wise but uh
0: yes yeah, how it goes. Uh, r.i.p to the match we never got to see the uh, rematch between the two of them after u.s open last year that was you mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry, that's good that <laughs> yeah thank you yeah i'm not much of a like creating a meme guy that's kind of more your thing um and your expertise but i that one i was like oh i got this one i got a good one (laughs) i appreciated that yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean that's so those were the uh the four matches from the top half of the bracket that was the section that we were most excited about and we were kind of locked in for those matches the ones that happened last night um Not as engaging. The other one that I had some uh, pretty extensive notes from was uh, Medvedev and and Nuno Borges that went into four sets. Pretty textbook win overall for Medvedev. I mean, he wins the first set 6-3. There was a a really gritty second set, and these are the kind of sets and and matches that you're really used to seeing Medvedev come out ahead in, and and it felt really um, on par for what you see from Medvedev, where he just hangs in there a little bit longer, gets one more shot back. Uh, Borges was playing was playing great. I mean, he was uh aggressively drop shotting and, and hanging in there in rallies. The second set ends up going sixty-seven minutes. It goes to a tie break. Um and some interesting stats from that match that I was picking up on. Despite how you know how close it was, um particularly in that second set, uh, Borges was hitting uh three to one winners versus uh, Medvedev. So he was hitting more winners than he was, wow. uh, but he also was hitting three to one in unforced errors. So kind of uh, emphasizes the strategy that Borges had going into that match. He knew it was going to take a, a special effort for him to be able to contend and to win that match. I think he was okay with the mistakes that he was making because he knew that he really had to get to go for it. And unfortunately, a uh, play with a player like Medvedev, he just he gets everything back. He can play so far behind the baseline sometimes and just really grind out some of these long rallies. And we've talked about this before. That's it's one of his strengths. He, he doesn't mind getting into those long rallies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, really good second set. Um, the story from that match to me uh, was that third set, which was kind of bizarre. Uh, Medvedev's up 5-2. It looks like this match is over. Kind of let off the gas just a little bit. Borges kind of walked through that window um, and ends up winning that set. He wins uh, five games in a row, ends up taking the third set, forcing Daniil to have to play um, going go play another set going into the fourth. So it was a little uncharacteristic of Daniil to kind of back off there. But I guess in his post-match interview, he said, you know, hey, I just, he's playing really well. And I, I just kind of got a little tired there and and maybe uh, credited the, a lot of time that he's played on court to, you um, uh, you know that that lapse in his game there but um I've talked enough about that match. Uh was there anything from that from that one that you picked up on?
1: Uh no that was great. That was pretty much it. I mean yeah Medvedev got a got a little squirrely when he was serving out for the match a couple times. Second serve got weird. Um no but that uh if if you guys haven't listened to it yet, listen to that post uh, on court interview it's it's great like jim courier probably one of the better to do it uh is asking medvedev about how he you know adopted his service uh, service return position and uh just very very interesting to kind of listen i would love for like any players to just talk about tactics or anything like that or just you know the reasons behind why they do what they do because uh medvedev was like super insightful about it and pretty open with it so i i love that
0: yeah it was it was great um i love courier and and Sometimes I roll my eyes a little bit with the questions that get asked. There was, there was an on-court interview. Um, I wish I remembered what match it was. It was one of the women's matches, and I thought the the questions were just really awkward and just didn't really offer any insight into the match at all. And like, kind of, I I really it's killing me that I can't think of it. But they had the player like address the crowd, and it was just it was really strange. And like, I I I like Courier's angle. Playing yeah. on the personality of, of the player a little bit, getting, getting under the hood and just kind of getting to understand that match. And I think from a fan perspective, that's more interesting too. like, what is Medvedev thinking yeah. in that moment? What is, you know, what happened in that second set? Can you tell me a little bit about your, where you're standing on your serve and how you got there? Um, and Medvedev's the perfect character for that because he's kind of, he's laughing about it. He's poking fun of himself and he's talking about, you know, the pros and cons to it. But yeah, I thought that was a really, really great interview and Jim Currier, you're right, is the perfect person for that, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, if you... uh if we're able to start getting more credentials to uh, places like you're, you're going to die inside when you hear some of the questions being asked at the press. Oh They're, my gosh. Some of them are so awkward. Dude. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to call anyone out, but I, I've sat through a few of those and I'm just waiting for my turn. To ask a question. I'm just like, Oh man, like this is, this is rough. Uh-oh. poor, poor player.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or just like when the questions are just like, they don't really give you like the answer. Like, what are you looking for from an answer when you ask a player, you know, how disappointing is it to not get past you know your result here from last year? It's like what do you what do you think? Yeah. Like what do you think you're what do what do you what, what yeah. is the answer you're trying to get from that? You know, yeah. like it's yeah, it's so, an art
1: form to ask a good question. It's uh, yeah, some people make it look pretty easy, <laughs> not not saying myself. You know, it's something that I'm like pretty concerned with when I'm in those situations. Like, okay, I have to make sure I get this right, and then when it's your turn to ask the question, I you freeze up. You're like, oh my god, like you know players looking right at me what do i say like yeah um so it's tough but yeah okay some, well some we just put the, we
0: just put the pressure on ourselves to uh ask better questions than some of the stuff that we're hearing so i like it all right <laughs> <laughs> Gonna do it. uh we'll wrap up some of the men's side here the other three matches from last night i don't have a lot of notes for because they were uh, pretty straightforward you had zverev getting through in five sets um over nori so that goes to another fifth set tiebreaker um, we're going to talk about it when we talk about the quarterfinals picks, but it kind of leaves me wondering, is the amount of time on court going to catch up with Zverev because he has not gotten through very easily in these matches. Um, he's also been, uh, as we all know, dealing with a lot of stuff off court that is got to be weighing on his mind and kind of, um, uh, adding to the fatigue. Uh, but, um, he gets through in straight sets over Nori that goes, or not straight sets, five sets, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, Alcaraz gets through in straight sets over Kecmanovic. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. And Kazo, uh, who played a really good set against Herkash, ends up losing to Herkash. Um, very typical Herkash match, st- heavy on the serve. He wins in straight sets. Kazo uh, was really impressive to me. Um, he was hanging in there. He was serving uh, with an average first serve speed, comparable to Herkash, which was really impressive, uh, but the the stats that were jumping off the screen as they were going through that one was just how much time he was spending uh, running around the court, and uh, Herkash had him moving, and I think Kazo just really uh, expended a lot more energy than Hercash to get through that match, so Herkash ends up winning in straight sets there. Um, anything from those three matches for you? Um,
1: no, I think you've got a covered interesting thing is uh, Kazo for for his size, he's not like a very big player but he can really he can nail his serve yeah. and um i saw a thing about that i guess he uh he was like a very elite handball player when he was younger oh. like national team into his uh teenage years and like um like for those of you that maybe aren't familiar handball in europe is basically it's like in a way almost like soccer there's a goal imagine maybe water polo without the water you're throwing a ball around passing it to teammates and apparently this is you know, a part of where his shoulder strength and kind of the mechanics mm. of his serve uh, were developed, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, on average, like 204 kilometers per hour to yeah. her cash is 206 mm-hmm. at one point. I mean, um, I'd have to do the conversion for miles per hour there. But, um, you know, just Big. seeing that he's, ha- yeah, he's hanging <laughs> with her cash on, on yeah. his serve and her, her cash is the really the one thing that he's known for. So, yep. Um, so a couple of the women's matches, um, I'll go through a couple of notes here really quickly. So we had uh Svitolina retire after three games of the back injury, really Man. upsetting to see that, um, that puts uh Neskova through into the next round. Um, she said she was feeling a, a back spasm or some back pain earlier and, and, uh, it manifested only a couple games into the match. She really lost mobility. She said it locked up and, um, has to retire very emotional there for her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a bummer because I, I, I think she probably like the rest of the people in the top half of the bracket saw the opportunity before her and she's somebody who hadn't made a final before and, um, probably felt like she, she, this was the one that she had an opportunity to get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They, you know, even asked about it in the press conference, started crying. So for... For sure, very disappointed, and for sure, she was looking ahead in the draw, kind of expecting like, okay, this is you know, this is my chance to make a deep run. Um, she's in that top half of the draw, but um, yeah, sucks to see.
0: Yeah, well, um, Ukraine is still well represented through a couple other players here. You had uh, Kostiuk winning in straight sets, and she's going to go on to play uh, Coco Golf. Um, one of the things for uh, Kostiuk that I'm really excited about is she. It seems like. I've paid attention to her over the last couple of years because I think she's a a pretty exciting player. She was, um, you know, the first player sponsored by the Wilson Apparel team. So that was kind of cool. And I was paying attention to her and every single Grand Slam, it felt like she got an absolute monster of a first round and has not been able to stack up ranking points. And I thought that her potential was really that she should be and could be um, a seeded player at these tournaments And uh, now she's taken advantage of a relatively weak draw that she's had. And, you know, there's some upsets along the way that made that happen. And this isn't to discredit what she's done on the court. She's been fighting through some matches and has looked really good. Um, So happy to see her get through. And, yeah, so she gets uh, Coco Gauff in the next round. And then another Ukrainian, which um, I think you and I spent a little bit more time on this match, was Yastremska. Uh, she wins in straight sets against Azarenka. A pissed off anger, Azarenka too. She looked <laughs> angry in that match.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, very irritated.
0: Um, yeah, she Yastremska impressed me most in that match as she came back um, multiple times in there to to get that straight sets victory. Usually, you attribute a straight sets match to somebody being in general in control. She was down a break in the first set three five and ends up winning in a tie break. And then in the second set, she's down oh three, wins the next five games in a row, and ends up taking the second set in, you know, six four. So some of that wow. anger and frustration for Azarenka probably comes from the fact um that she had leads in both sets, probably felt like she should have won that match. And um, you know, like Svitolina, another veteran on the tournament who in the tournament who probably was looking at their section of the draw thinking you know, I got this. This is this yep. is mine to lose. So, um, you know, Eseraica visually frustrated, um, but really impressive stuff from Ustremsko.
1: Yep, the deepest run uh, from a qualifier that we've seen since Radukanu. I think it's got to be.
0: That you know what I was wondering about that because be. the fact that she's in there as a qualifier, and I'm I'm trying to make my picks for the quarterfinals. Uh, that u s open is always in your mind you're like well it could it could be a qualifier, yeah, sure, sure. a qualifier in the final you know it, it's yeah. happened before, so yeah, why not um sticking with the top half of the bracket there, so you had uh skaya being uh beating uh Paolini in straight sets uh you had uh Zhang, who's now the last uh player in the top half of the bracket, beating the French player dodan in straight sets um right now she's the favorite to make the final. we talked about yep. that. Um. So kind of pressures on her. It's all it, it's hers to lose at this point. Um, bottom half of the bracket kind of played out the way most people would have expected. Um, you know, you've got Coco Goff uh, playing Kostiuk. You have uh, Sebelenka getting through um, and she is playing Krajikova. And that was the other match that I probably spent the most time on in this round was Krajikova and Andreeva. Um, I think you got a chance to watch some of that one as well
1: a little bit fell asleep okay okay (laughs) (laughs) not not because the match was not interesting just late nights um but yeah i i was i andreva won the first set was that in three sets or or was it reverse it was yes it
0: was in it was in three sets yeah it was in three sets the
1: first set and i was like okay but then uh, i'm assuming barbara cleaned it up put it together um don't really know to be honest
0: yeah it was a it, it was a shaky start for Andreeva she actually got the break right out of the gate in that match but then on her serve had multiple double faults and gave the next game right back to Krajikova and there, I think there was a, a couple games there that felt really shaky from both of them just kind of um, the nerves of that that situation and uh, it was uh, 2-2 at one point um, The one of the uh, Matt, uh, one of the points that I actually posted on my Instagram is she, uh, Andreeva goes up uh, 40 love or, you know, Krajikova serving love 40 it's two, two uh, she's darting back and forth, gets the ball back and Krajikova has an overhead smash and Andreeva kind of just guesses, right. And stay stands her ground and ends up just kind of sticking up her racket and popping of like a volley lob thing back, you know, just can't really, put a name on it. She just kind of stuck her racket up in the air and it just floated perfectly over his Kr- head drops in as a perfect lob and wins that game to go up three, two. Um wow. And she ends up going on to win that first set six, four. That was all she needed to to close it out really. But um, the, the next few games of that set were really to me defined by unforced errors. Um, if you were to go back and watch some of it, it was just it's kind of, kind of ugly tennis uh, again, maybe a little bit of nerves from both of them. Um, but uh, Krajikova ends up going on to win that one in three sets. Um, you know, the more experienced player there just kind of wins out. Uh, and, you know, Andreeva's got a great future. We talked about it last, uh, last episode. I don't think um, she has anything to be concerned about with the way that this tournament ended for her. She, she, she played great, and she was contending against some of the top in the world. So,
1: Yeah, huge, huge positive, I would say. Not a, not a disappointment at all she lost to a seven-time grand slam winner (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah
0: Well, we'll spend the the rest of the episode here talking about um, the quarterfinals. Um, It's going to be warm. So yesterday was kind of a seasonably cool day in Melbourne. It was like 67, 68 or something like that. Um, But looking ahead to, you know, today slash tonight uh, in the next uh, couple of days, it's 85 degrees and 90 degrees. Um, A little bit more like what you're used to seeing with, you know, Australia and Melbourne weather. Um, We'll see if that has any impact on the matches here. I don't know. I was just kind of looking at the quarterfinals. There isn't anybody that, you know, anybody that uh, I can think of that really struggles in the heat. Um, But, uh, you know, something to keep an eye out. It's definitely going to maybe slow a few matches down and um, maybe play a factor somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, not something I really thought about, but um, I think of Sinner, Miami, Indian Wells pulls out. I know it was like stomach illness. I mean, obviously he's rolling, but when it Medvedev from time to time doesn't do great in the heat, I mm-hmm. whenever it gets hot, they usually keep the roof open on the, on the show courts, which I think is fair because it should be kind of you know it's considered an outdoor tournament. But it will be interesting to um, to keep track of if they decide to close it for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. All right, Tony. So let's talk about the quarterfinals here. So we've got eight matches starting this afternoon or this evening. Uh, we mentioned on the last episode, we're going to make our picks. I hate doing predictions because then I'm kind of opening myself up for people, uh, messaging me later and <laughs> reminding me of what I was right and wrong about. Um, but you got some great notes here, you know, as a coach, I feel like you pick up on a lot more of some of the subtleties and, and, um, points in the game that, uh, really can help you make a decision on who you think is going to win this, but we've got some head to head here and we're going to make some predictions. So, uh, let's uh, start with the first match Fritz versus Novak.
1: Also, uh, the early match Novak early match twice in a row. Um, so, uh, I mean, it didn't bother him at all last time. It didn't make much of a difference, but, um, so anyways, Fritz Novak, uh, the head to head is not good for Fritz. It's, it's eight Oh, um, when it comes to the tactics, um, there's a great expression that I heard from Joel Drucker. It's like, find a different way to lose if you can't beat someone. Uh, What we've seen kind of historically from Fritz is, you know, he's got a power game, great serve, great backhand, um, tries to kind of, you know, outpower Novak, but that, you know, doesn't really work. We've seen a lot of players try to do that. That's not a formula for success. It definitely hasn't been for Fritz. Um, the, The thing I would look for is, Maybe he tries to get forward to the net more. I know that's not really his strong suit, but at this point, you you have to try something different. At least try it. Why not? Um, there was an instance a few years back where, if you remember, uh, they had a great match at the Australian Open. It was the match where, I think, uh, was it the ab tear? And Novak had to leave the court, came back, but Fritz had him going into the, the end of the fourth set, but jo- Djokovic does what he does, and, you know comes back, rallies, and wins the match. So, um, yeah, I i mean, other than that, I don't really know. I have more mo- more notes than that. But basically, it's just going to be up to Fritz to trying something different and kind of hoping that maybe he can get ahead early in the match with a break and maybe have some self-belief of like, okay, I, I can actually do this because I feel like if he, if he gets down early, it might be tough because just the idea of like, man, I, I've lost to this guy eight times in a row. Um, so we'll see.
0: And so, what do you think? Who's your pick for that one?
1: Um, Novak in four. I'll give I'll give Fritz a set because he is, you know, he he's got a good serve. He's mentally tough. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable over, you know, you know. I don't I don't see him beating Novak in straight sets. I I don't know. I I still mm-hmm. think Novak in four. He, Novak's locked in.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so my pick for that one is going to be Novak. Um, I'm going to say straight sets, though. Um, as much as I you know, want to give some love to Taylor. Um, you know, the, the four set might be uh, where Novak, you know, lets that first set go. Well, you know how everybody thinks he's got a little bit of gamesmanship to him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be really well rested after that match with Manorino. Um, Fritz had to play pretty out of his mind and that, that sits a match to close it out in four. Um, I think Novak's going to come through, but my pick for that one's going to be uh, in straight sets. So sorry, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Next match we've got here is Rublev versus Sinner.
1: Oh, man, I'm excited for that. That's going to be – it's going to be a late night. I might, like, take a nap and then wake up at 1 in the morning or whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rublev – or I'm sorry, Sinner rolling – basically everything straight sets, looks fantastic. Like I said, he's trying to separate himself to become, you know, a tier one player, put him on the same level as uh, Novak and Carlos. This is going to be a great measure of that because like Rublev, as you said, is one of the more consistent players on the tour. Even though people see him going, you know, redlining his game, he's still very consistent. He doesn't make a lot of unforced errors. Um, What is their head-to-head? Oh, this is kind of an interesting head-to-head. It's, if you look it up, it says 4-2, but the two victories for Rublev are retirements from Sinner. One oh. of the retirements from French Open. Sinner was actually ahead in that match and had to pull out. Can't really remember what it was. And then another one. Uh, they were basically on serve and Sinner had to, you know, retire basically. So realistically, it's it's 4-0 for Yannick, and that was before you know Yannick kind of made this, this version of him yeah. exactly. So. Historically, not great. Uh, Rublev's coming in, you know, with some battle wounds. He's had a, a pretty tough draw, I would say, has gone through Um Backhand down the line, I think, is going to be big for him. It's a underrated shot before he would use it mainly just to kind of control the patterns if they're directing traffic to his backhand. Obviously, players want to stay away from his forehand, so he would send it down the line so he could receive a forehand and kind of work the point from there again. Um, but, like, recently he's actually getting winners off of it. He kind of slightly mm-hmm. changed his technique, uh, bringing the hands up a little higher on the take back, which is, uh, I mean, it's good to see he's trying different things. Um, so he's going to need to try to... Basically, keep Yannick on the ad side, go down the line with his forehand or inside in and make Yannick hit running forehands and kind of hope hope for the best because that is that is kind of, the, if you can visualize how Yannick hits running forehands, he kind of slides into it. Sometimes he can leave it short. Sometimes it can be erratic. So, um, yeah, that's maybe the best play for Rublev. Yannick, I, I don't think he really needs to do anything Out of the ordinary, he's, you know, going to play big off of both wings. He can attack, you know, basically he can move Andre into the deuce side, into his forehand, into the weapon to open up some space on the backhand because Rublev basically defends his backhand just by slicing it. And we've seen Yannick pretty comfortably get to the net quite a bit. Uh, so when, you know, maybe on a 30-all or a deuce point, he might look to throw that in uh, just to kind of, you know, keep points short and, you know, find an advantage in some way rather than just rolling the ball out there and just trying to hit it hard and hit it through Rublev. Also, just we saw Rublev cramping. Um, this one, uh, what did I write down? Now now since I'm talking about it, I kind of <laughs> feel like, oh, man, this is going to be a close match. Um, yeah, Yannick in four. Um, yeah, Rublev, I think, can hang hang for a set or two it might even be a straight sets don't know but we'll say Yannick and four we'll give Rublo a set
0: yeah I agree I have Yannick and four on that one Um, there is like a an alternative reality that uh, I'm imagining Rublev finally getting through the quarterfinals and uh, kind of getting over the hump and what better place for that than to upset one of the favorites for this so I can kind of imagine that scenario and that storyline and it tempted me to, to, to make that pick, but, um, just so much less time on court for Yannick Sinner. So, um, I think he's gonna be the fresher of the two and, um, yeah, I'm with you. Yannick and four on that one.
1: Yeah. Going to be some, some heavy hitting, some huge, some huge forehands. Um, it's going to be fun to watch regardless.
0: Yeah. And I, that's, those are the ones coming on tonight, right? We've got that, Fritz those are and Djokovic tonight's matches. first. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Um, Nice. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah,
1: tonight's going to be, yeah, that's why I'm happy to be well-rested.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so moving to the bottom half of the of the, uh, the bracket for the men's side, we've got Hercash versus Medvedev.
1: Man, are you ready for some tie breaks?
0: Yes, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so Medvedev, as we said, coming in, he hasn't played a, a, a match where it's like, you know, like what we saw with Novak, like, all right, he's on, he's locked in, little squirrely here and there. Um, Hubie obviously has played, you know, five-setter, four-setter. Um, tactically, I think uh, it, what's interesting, if you were to kind of make a mold of a player, kind of similar, uh, big serve, I think I think Hubie's serve is a little bit better, but big serve likes to stay on the baseline, great backhand, can kind of counter punch. forehand is decent, but not exactly a weapon. Um I think Hubie has to get to the net. He in the head-to-head, ahead, he's he's ahead. I believe it's three-two. Mm-hmm. All of their matches except for one has had multiple tiebreaks in it. Um, Medvedev, I think I think he just needs to kind of get out there and try to find some feel for the court. He was complaining about his strings, how he couldn't grip the ball. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, Hubie's going to be in, in every set because of the serve. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. on Medvedev's serve. How how well is he going to is he going to have a high first serve percentage? Is he going to have to play a lot of second serves and defend it? Um, Hubie's going to, I would imagine, try to get to the net a lot, and then it, it's just up to, can Medvedev find find passing shots from his deep position? So um, it'll be interesting. I uh, I think it comes down to, kind of, Medvedev's going to make adjustments throughout the match as he typically does. I think Hubie's going to kind of just go out there and just you know, try to be aggressive, because um, if he tries to Rally with Medvedev—that's not—that's not, that's not going to work. Um, as you know, as off as Medvedev has been, so um, it's going to be a you know a pressure cooker, a lot of tie breaks. I'm going to give the mental edge to uh, Medi just because of Grand Slam experience. He's shown a lot of grit to kind of get through these matches so far. If he can hang, uh, you know, physically without any issues, uh, so I've got uh, Medvedev in five, but could go either way
0: yeah uh, this is another one where I can imagine a scenario where you're right, Herkash and his big serve, he's, get, he's he's used to getting into those tiebreak scenarios and used to these um, you know kind of grinding matches. I don't know, I wanted to try to find it. I couldn't find his five set record. Uh, over the course of his career. I feel like he doesn't come out on the top of those. Um, And that's kind of a trait with some of the bigger servers. They get in these really long matches. They might not have as extensive of of a uh, toolbox as a player like Medvedev. And if the other player, you know, such as Medvedev in this instance, could hang on just a little bit longer, kind of champion through some of those really long games, I'm with you. I, I can see Medvedev winning. Um, I could also see the match time catching up to Medvedev. He mentioned that in the way that he let that match versus Borges, that third set kind of go there. Um, you know, if a big server can really disrupt somebody's rhythm and you, you might get some uh, shorter points, which is where uh, Medvedev usually his strong point is getting into those longer rallies. I think if Herkash can kind of keep the points short serve the way that we know that he can serve we've also seen her cash play really well on hard courts he won miami masters he doesn't mind the heat and you mentioned medvedev does medvedev's standing 400 feet behind the baseline in the shade and he's going to want to do that when it's 90 degrees in a couple days so i'm this is the first one where i'm going to factor in the weather here and i'm going to say her cash i'm going to say her cash in four i think nice. he might frustrate Medvedev and I don't know that Medvedev's going to have the energy to um to turn it around. So I'm going to go her cash and four on this one. Nice. <laughs> I I said that I was a her cash fan uh last episode two so i this couldn't say true. that and then pick against him so
1: this is that's fair enough i mean i've got i've got med's picture behind me i don't know <laughs> <yeah, fair enough. laughs>
0: oh and yeah i've got a her cash picture no i don't do you really um, i was like no way no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no.
1: nice guy i met him i was going through a hotel in new york during the u.s open and like a door opened and it was hubie and i was like oh, oh. Hi. And he was like, yeah. "Hi, how are you?" and I was, "I felt so awkward cuz like you're literally coming out of your hotel room. I'm not trying, you know, like, yeah. all right, have a good day, man." Like, but yeah. he was he was really cool about it.
0: Yeah. No, he seems great. So, yeah, he'll he'll be my pick. We couldn't have the exact same pick, so I wanted to put her cash in there. Uh, That's last one on the men's side, you've got um Zverev and Alcaraz. Um, yeah. yeah, what do you got on this one?
1: Um, man, I mean, basically what did I this was the the least extensive of the notes that I put down. Um, yeah, he needs to avoid the forehand to forehand with Carlos and hope Carlos is off. Kind of. I mean, I know I know Zverev's a better player than that, but just with the, the amount of time he spent on court, um, he obviously great serve, great backhand. But when you're when you're playing against Carlos and especially as good as he's looked so far, it just feels like he ha- he can beat you in three, four different ways. If something isn't working, and also Carlos is very good about adjusting tactics, so. Um, I've got Carlos in straight sets just because he can, you know, he can basically push Zverev deep into the court with his forehand, make a move around, drop shot, get to the net. Um, yeah, least extensive notes there. I think it's Carlos in straights. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Carlos looks good. He's cruising, spent a lot less time on court, um, you know, he's the other one that they're going to be out there. It's probably going to be the evening match, uh, so it's I not going to imagine. be as hot for them, not going to be as much of a factor in this match. Um, I'm with you there. I think Carlos pulls through. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. Straight sets.
1: Yeah. The the head-to-head is, is interesting because it's 4-3 to three for Zverev. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at it. A, a few of the victories are, you know, before Carlos, like, arrived. Arrived, obviously, he was still a great player. He rose from, like, 100 to the top 10, like, in a couple months, it felt like. But um, the notable uh, result would have been Carlos beat him at the U.S. Open recently, straight sets, kind of it, similar situation where Zverev was coming off a five-setter and then just looked like he had nothing left against Carlos in the next match. And um, the previous match before that in the best-of-five, um zverev won in four sets it was during his run at at the french open where he was mm-hmm. playing incredible where you know in the yeah. next match he got injured against rafa but uh yeah those are their the results in slams and i thought that was kind of interesting i didn't i never would have thought that the head-to-head would have been in favor of zverev but um i like carlos here
0: yeah totally i agree with you there yep um, so switching over to the women's side now, this is a little bit trickier. Uh, you, you and I have spent less expensive out, notes. Yes, countless hours uh, watching some of the players that are advancing as far as the men's side goes, because it's the players that we're used to seeing and the players that we've seen in uh, in in every tournament for the last five to six years yep. whereas on the women's side that's not the case we have a lot less time watching them um and a lot fewer head-to-head to go off of um some of the notes that we have from there um I'll I'll start with this one we got mm-hmm. uh Krajikova and Sabalenka um Sabalenka kind of owns her five to one in the head-to-head um and she's also spent four hours less time on court than Krajikova um she's rolling she is um trying to defend the title uh she's kind of cleaned up a lot of the mistakes she's not uh, double faulting as much she's looking really really strong so um I'm gonna take Sabalenka in that one and uh I think I'm gonna take her in straight sets
1: yeah yeah I, I think so too as as great as Krujikova is just looking at the head-to-head and and also to add you know everything that you said is I I completely agree with uh Sabalenka looks like she's having fun that's yeah. the other thing. She's like demolishing people and then doing this thing where she signs her coach's head. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if you saw the video like pre-match, you know, she put a bottle on his head and kicked it clean off the top of his head. It's just kind of like silly stuff, which is like, okay, like you're in the second week of a slam and you're, you're very comfortable. So um, yeah, I don't, I, I see her going through in straight sets as well.
0: Yeah. The, pre- I, I, the pressure is off of her a little bit. Having won last year, of course there's some pressure to defend that title. Um, but, um, you know, she's like, like we said, that half of the bracket, she's there. Coco golf's there. Everybody kind of expected that. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's interesting to, I'd be interested to hear if any of the players in that section of the bracket are looking at the other half being like, wow, if I can just get to the final, you know, right. Right. Got it. Uh, The other match uh, that I got here, Coco Goff versus uh, Marta Kostiuk. So Goff has the only win against the two of them, so not an extensive amount of playing time against one another. Um, But uh, Kostiuk uh, has spent a lot more time on court than Coco, four hours more. Um, And Coco Goff's kind of on the same trajectory right now with Sebalanka, just winning and uh, winning with with conviction. So, um, I've got, uh, Coco winning that one in straight sets. I think it's a great run for Kostiuk, um, but just doesn't have the experience this deep in a tournament. And I mean, what, what can you say about Coco golf and Brad Gilbert at this point, it's obviously just a recipe for success. She's been nearly unstoppable. So.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. Cause they started, uh, what was it in, in Washington where she won yep. uh yeah. And then us open and yeah, I, um, I'm with you. I mean, maybe maybe Kostiuk can win a set. I think, uh, regardless, it's going to be a very fun match to watch because Kostiuk is like just a very animated character out there. If you can think of like maybe an Andre Rublev, where it's just you see all of the emotions happening at at once. She's you know there was actually a great reel put together by the tournament of just you know her on the floor screaming at herself and then you know being happy <laughs> and anyways, uh, elite athlete. It's going to be a lot of good rallies. Obviously, Coco is an an elite athlete as well, so there's going to be a lot of extended rallies. If uh, you know, cost you can survive the serve plus one of Coco, um, but I still like Coco in that match. Maybe in three, but uh, I think Coco gets through, and then that sets a would set us up for a Coco Sabalenka semi. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Which, yeah.
1: So I think that's what we get.
0: Yeah. That, which what everybody would be really excited for. So. Yeah. Um, going to the other half of the bracket, the uh, the massacre that happened at the top, <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, Zhang versus um, uh, getting through as the only seeded player. Um, she's playing Skaya, who I've watched, uh, I, you know what, I've actually watched a pretty good amount of her. I uh, was paying attention to her more in the qualifying rounds when she got on the tour, and she was somebody who impressed me. Um, and Zhang has a one and zero head to head record, uh, but they've played the exact same amount of time on the court. So this one's kind of just a, a question of is the pressure going to get to Zhang that she's you know now matched her career best at a Grand Slam um, and is now ha- has the pressure of being the only seeded player in that top half, whereas Kellen Skaya kind of comes in as the uh, as the player who. um can kind of play the spoilers. And I actually, I misspoke. Kellen Skaya has the only win in that head to head. So um, kind of interesting there. I I feel like there's less pressure on Kellen Skaya than there is on Zhang. Um, I'm still going to pick Zhang because um, it kind of just feels like it's, it's her time to make that next step. Um, So I'm going to say Zhang in this one uh, and I'll say in three sets.
1: Yeah. I uh I mean I, I wish for the sake of the show I could go against you and have, you know, an extent an extensive, you know, reason why like to go back and forth with it. But I, I like Zhang too. Um saw her in San Diego. Uh she played a, a tight match against Iga a few years ago at the, you know, W T A thousand down there. And uh yeah, is somebody that like I you know you see her and it's like okay this is a very talented player. When is she gonna kind of have the right set of circumstances to make a deep run at you know at a big tournament? And it, it seems like this is this is potentially that moment.
0: Yeah. And they the winner of that one will play the winner of Noskova and Yastremska, who have never played each other. Noskova getting through uh with much, much, much less time on court a big piece of that being because of the fact that um, Svitolina wasn't able to finish their match uh was a former um world number 21 I think she's playing up to the potential that she thinks that she should be at she's been on court for six hours more um but It's one of those situations where again, like who, who, who benefits from that? Does you benefit because she's a little bit more battle ready and she's had more time on court and she's, um, you know, maybe a little bit more fresh and, or does this uh, have an advantage here because she didn't have to grind it out in the last round and hasn't spent as much time on the court. So I think it can go either way. Um, both, uh, having a great tournament and probably reaching the potential that they think that they should. Um, I'm going to pick Yastrzemska in this one. Um, and I'm going to say in three sets.
1: Nice. I'm going Noskova in three. Uh, less time on court. Teenager, I'm pretty sure. Um, younger, good run. Mm-hmm. Love love to see a qualifier. Actually, I mean, either way would be fine. But um, yeah, I think Niskova, I just uh, the fact that like less time on court because also, you know, coming through qualifiers is a lot. Definitely more match ready, tuned, but um, kind of a toss up, to be honest. But I'm I'm gonna go to
0: Nescova. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about the qualifiers for for them. They're kind of going into their third week, you know, instead of their yeah. second week. So, yeah, well, we'll see. So we'll, um, you know, we'll be here in a couple of days to talk about the results from the quarterfinal. Um, we'll see if uh, our predictions were correct. Um, I don't know what do we what are we betting for? The winner gets what?
1: Ooh, when am I going to see you?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> uh, we'll go. San Diego? Okay. San Diego okay. Open?
1: Okay, we'll, we'll go to dinner. Uh, you like barbecue? Yeah, I love barbecue, of course. Phil's barbecue down in San Diego is the move. Oh, okay. Great place. Yeah, God, we could do that. We can. How about this? We'll go like a running tally between these picks, <laughs> the semifinals, and then the yeah. finals. Is oh, I that... like that. Okay. I like right, that. We'll keep a running tally. nice. Nice.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Nice. Yeah. I Not wanted bad. to shout out, um, you know, first of all, again, thank you to everybody that's been listening and giving us feedback. Um, I also wanted to shout out uh, in this episode our music for, uh, if you haven't noticed, we've been using uh, similar music from episode to episode. That is a producer from Madrid, Spain uh, called Linfion. Um, he, somebody that messaged me about a year ago saying, how the my instagram was kind of inspiration for him to make this tennis inspired uh lo-fi lounge kind of trip hop music and um I finally got around to checking it out when we started this uh, this podcast because I was thinking I don't know what what music are we gonna use and um reached out to him he was super cool about it was totally okay with sending me the uh the files and allowing us to use it so um I think it's a perfect fit <laughs> and I uh yeah. you know he puts little samples of of matches playing in the background which is kind of cool and um you know wanted to shout that out if you guys are liking the music go check out Linfion. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it for the episode. So, Tony, it's been fun.
1: It's been a good one, man. I'll see you, uh, well, we'll be talking later, but I'll see you on the pod in a couple days.
0: All right, sounds good. See ya.
1: See ya. Oh, stop
0: it! Just stop it, Benoit. Absolutely outrageous! And this is what these two do with smiles on people's faces.